Hello and welcome to Living and Growing in the Fullness of Christ with Bill Bowers. I'm your host, Jim Bach, and today Bill will be introducing us to the concept of living and growing in the fullness of Jesus Christ. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Bill, tell us a little bit about yourself and why this is such a passion in your life. Well, I was born and raised in eastern Washington. I grew up as a farm boy. My father was killed when I was 13 years old, and we moved to the big city of Kennewick um, and got involved in what I call the kind of self-destructive behavior and corporate stupidity of the 70s, uh, drugs, rock and roll, alcohol, crime, etc. I dropped out of school and left home at the age of 17 and ended up in the restaurant business in Denver, Colorado, and there I had an encounter with Jesus when I was 20 years old and accepted him as my savior. At that point in time, I quit doing drugs. I got married at 21, started living the American dream, not really following Jesus or going to church, but I think I was saved, um, and moved to Tacoma in 1983, have been in the restaurant business, owned my own bakery, a bit of a workaholic during those years. In 1990, my brother, who was a couple years older than me, was killed, and he died just like my dad did. Uh, both of them died from uh, gunshot wounds from uh, close friends. And in the process of burying him, I had another encounter with God, and over the next year, I realized that God wanted me to give this life to him. So my spiritual story is I gave God my eternal life when I was 20, right? Take me when I'm dead. I had no better plans anyway, um, but I gave him this life when I was 31, uh, and there's a big difference, as many of you probably know. So after that, in 1992, I started the Friends and Servants Ministry in Puyallup, Washington, working with troubled teenagers, just wanting to help them know that they are valuable, that someone cares, and there is a way out of kind of the cycle of hopelessness that I saw in my own life and in my brother's life. I did that for 18 years, and then in 2010, God asked me to leave that, and I started the One Another Foundation which was a nonprofit designed to really help empower the body of Christ and get people to love and serve others. You know, in John 15, 12, Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And I always thought, man, if we just did that, that would change the world. <laughs> so, so out of that, we started the One Another Foundation, did that for about five years, really a great organization to mobilize the body of Christ uh, to get beyond the walls of the church and get out in the community. And then in 2015, I uh, felt like God was asking me to leave that and to really spend the next chunk of my life, however long that may be, to focus on encouraging, equipping, and empowering the body of Christ. So just working within local churches and doing what I can to help stir up the body of Christ to believe for transformation, to engage in transformation, to surrender and follow God. So I'm currently been doing that. I do that through a few different venues, working with lots of pastors through local uh, fellowship of pastors here, um, serving churches and leaders, teaching, mentoring, kind of acting as a community connector and a catalyst within the body of Christ. So bottom line, it's by the grace of God that I am where I am, and I get to be here and share with you today. Uh, my passion, what gets me up in the morning and what keeps me up at night is the desire to see the body of Christ, the local church, individual believers, living, loving, and serving in such a way that the world will know that Jesus Christ is real, because there'll be no other explanation for our lives or our radical selfless love. So that's it, that the world would see us and they would say, there must be a God. Jesus Christ must be who he said he is, and these people must know him and be following him. So with that in mind, it's great to be here this morning, get to talk about living and growing in the fullness of Christ. I remember seeing uh, one of the uh sermons that you preached, one of the uh, uh, things that you related was that uh, a lot of people today aren't very 
impressed with uh, the Christians because a lot of them are uh, just as self-centered, just as uh, thing-crazy, just as uh, uh, money-hungry as a lot of other people. The difference, of course, is that they'll be going to heaven. But other than that, um, they don't seem to be all that different than uh, non-Christians. Yeah, and I think that's a real problem. That's the kind of the crux of this idea is that we're really experiencing the fullness of what God has for us and our lives ought to be different in many ways. And so a lot of this comes out of, you know, if you read in Ephesians 4, there's this beautiful picture of the body of Christ and what should be happening as the body of Christ functions. And part of that says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So that's one of the scriptures that's been driving this conversation. Are people really experiencing the fullness? Are they maturing? Are they different? And, um, you know, when we look at that, we look at that in kind of three big areas. One is there's this personal relationship with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Are we experiencing that? And then there's personal transformation. According to Scripture, we have a new identity. We can be different. We can be changed. We ought to be changed. And we ought to be experiencing the peace, joy, and freedom that comes from being His. And then the third piece is the disciple lifestyle. Are we living it out? Are we living our lives in such a way that the world will know who Jesus Christ is? Whether that's through our loving, from our sharing, our caring, our witnessing, um, but we kind of look at that. That's kind of a way we look at the fullness of Christ, the personal relationship, personal transformation, and disciple lifestyle. And you kind of feel that when you gave your life to Christ, there was a transformation that came over you, something that changed your life. The old was dead and the new was born. Yeah, and I think that comes in different ways at different times for folks because part of it is, you know, we recognize some of it is the way we invite people into relationship with Christ. Sometimes we're asking people to invite Jesus into their heart, into their life, to be part of their life. Um, and other times we're asking people to surrender their life to God. And I think that's the big difference. I gave God my eternal life. I accepted Jesus into my life when I was 20. I didn't give this life to him until I was 31. And that changes everything. <laughs> if this life belongs to him, that's a whole different story. There's a whole new uh, set of um, what we're all about, what we're going towards. So that's a big thing we recognize in churches is a lot of folks have come in with the belief and assumption that God loves them and wants them to have a good life, which there is certainly truth in that. But the, we go a little further and allow us to describe what that good life is. And here we describe it by the American dream, which isn't necessarily biblical. It sounds great, it's wonderful if you can have it, but it's not necessarily what God has invited us into. Jesus has divided us, invited us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow him, to let him be Lord of our lives. And so for me, that big change happened at 31 years old, and it has never been the same. I know that uh, I grew up uh, going to church every Sunday, but I'm not sure that I fully appreciated the fact that Christ had died for all of my sins, and I've spent a lot of time in my life beating myself up about things that I've done in the past, and then realizing that Christ actually 
died for those sins. So they were washed away. That's right. And that's, and that's a big part of the, our entry into the kingdom of God, into relationship with God. Is That's the only door we can come through is by recognizing that Jesus Christ paid the price and made a way for that. And I think a lot of times we do a pretty good job of that, um, but some of the language we're using is we lead people to the cross and to that place of accepting forgiveness for sins, but not believing for transformation and freedom from sin and not believing for transformation. And so that's something that, again, can be easy to miss if we're not looking for it. We can settle for um, forgiveness and not pursue freedom. So where, where do you hope to go with this now? I mean, to the person listening right now thinking, well, how can Christ make a difference in my life? What would you say to those people? Well, I think a big part of it is to really um, looking at the Word of God and understanding what it is that God has offered us and what He has for us. One of my other kind of driving scriptures in a lot of this is Second Peter 1, verses 3 through 4, where Peter says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. What Peter is speaking of here is there is, because of God's divine power given through Christ and through the Holy Spirit in us, we have everything we need for life and godliness, and it comes through the knowing of Him, the relationship with Him, and that through that, he has given us great and precious promises so that we can participate in the divine nature. So there's a new nature that we can have. And I think that's something that um, we don't readily talk about. And I, one of the things we talked about is I think we accept the new identity, but we don't press into the new nature. You know, you can give me a new identity badge that says I'm something else, but it takes time to evolve into the nature of that. So we can put a label on it says, I'm a Christian, Jesus died for me, but not see any nature of Christ in us. And if you read through scripture, you see that there ought to be the nature of Christ in us and through us. And so I think that's one of the big things that um, I believe we need to pursue, to believe for that, to believe it's possible, right? And then to begin to pursue that. And I think in many ways, we've just settled for a lot less than what God has for us. Now, you also mentioned several times that it can be a transformation that can happen in an instant, or it can be a transformation that can happen over many, many years. Yeah, and I think if you talk to individuals, our stories are different, and some of that is um, what we were believing for when we accepted that. If I just believed for forgiveness, and that's all I believe Jesus died for, then that's all I may have at whatever point God revealed to me that, he's actually inviting me into this intimate, dependent relationship with him, um, then that becomes something new that I begin to grow in. So for me, some things have happened in an instant. Like when I got saved, I drank every day before then, and then I didn't drink the next day. So it was just, that was like a miracle. Other miracles have been a bit more progressive <laughs> where it takes time for them to evolve. Um, mm -hmm. It's really that my experience of them evolves. So it's like the promise has been given, but the experience of the promise may take time and take energy and take focus. So uh, yeah, I think, but believing that transformation is possible, it is what Jesus died for. So I believe that Jesus died so that not just so that we could go to heaven, but so that we could have reconciled relationship now with Heavenly Father, 
Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, and that that's a real personal relationship. And I also believe he died so that we could be transformed, that we would no longer be the same. We would no longer be bitter, selfish, angry, scared people wondering who we are and fighting for our identity and and fighting to find value in life, but that we would have that. We would be transformed and we would be recognized by our peace, our joy, our freedom. And then out of that, of course, we would be living lives differently. We would be free to love and serve others because we wouldn't be caught up in our own self-preservation or self-promotion because we find our value in him. So I really believe that, of course, they all go together. Out of relationship, we find identity. Out of identity, we are different. We live different. And it's a progressive miracle. It's not necessarily a linear thing. I think sometimes some things happen in order, but it really is. It's a, that's why I like to use the term living and growing. It's an ongoing thing. We're going to be living and growing and experiencing more of God the rest of our lives, I hope. The other thing, too, uh, that impressed me looking back over the years is that things happened in God's time. They didn't happen in my time. And this was often very frustrating for me because, you know, I need help now with what, what, what my problems are. And sometimes God's answer didn't come for two, three, four, five years. But I look back later and find out, yes. Yes, those answers were given to me, but they didn't happen in my time. They happened in God's time. Yeah, there's a bit of a mystery to all of this. You know, we like to think we understand how God works, and in hindsight, we kind of make it make sense or think it makes sense, but some of it is a mystery. There is a mystery to how I knew, you know, the love of the Father. I would have said I could have taught about the love of the Father, um, but I didn't really receive the love of the father until I was 50 years old. I, I figured the father had to love me because Jesus died for me. (laughs) I didn't figure he liked me or wanted to spend time with me Mm -hmm. or, you know, affirmed me or any of that stuff. It was just, it wasn't a real relationship. And then one day that happened. Um, again, it's a mystery how one day the Holy Spirit reveals something to us that we have read and said for years, but it becomes real, uh, by the mystery of the spirit of God. So, Again, I think it's, you know, to believe that that mystery is going to happen. I can't make it happen. I wish I could make these things happen for other people, but I can't. But I can say it ought to happen. This is possible. You ought to receive the love of the Heavenly Father um, and not to give up until you experience that. So again, there's a mystery to some of it that we can't try to explain. We shouldn't try to explain, you know, but Paul says we should steward the mysteries of God. So I can't explain it, but I can hold it out and steward it and say, I believe this is what God has for us. So, Bill, how would you summarize the living and growing in the fullness of Christ? Well, I think it's just this thought and idea that we ought to be able to, and in fact, I believe God invites us into life with him, um, experiencing the fullness of relationship with him as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, continually to be experiencing and growing in our own formation and transformation and that we are continually walking that out experiencing that and obeying jesus and following jesus and doing the things that jesus called us to do and so a lot of it is i mean it's a mindset i don't know whether it's a theology or not but it's a mindset that says i am his i am in relationship and i'm continuing to be formed and transformed and continue to live that out because i really believe you know the gospel the good news the good news is is that we can live in reconciled relationship 
with Heavenly Father. We can live in relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior, Master, and Friend. And we can live in relationship with Holy Spirit, this amazing helper and counselor and guide. And that we can experience transformation now. And we can live it out now. That the promises, the great and precious promises of God are for us to experience now. They're not for after death. And death is not a prerequisite to experiencing the kingdom of God and the fullness of what Christ has for us. So that's how I would sum it up. Um, And, you know, it's an amazing adventure. It's wonderful. It's scary. It's powerful. Um, But I think that's what Jesus has invited us into. You know, I think the question is, how can we be intentional about experiencing more of what God has for us? If indeed more is possible, then how can we be intentional about experiencing it? So one of the things we do, we do kind of classes and sessions with this is we kind of look at where are you now? And just kind of doing an awareness assessment of where am I now in my relationship with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we literally just kind of, and I guess I would ask listeners to just think about this or scribble on a piece of paper, or we actually have materials we could get out to you possibly in the future, where we look at this and just ask the question, where are you in this intimate, dependent relationship with Heavenly Father? Where are we at in our transformation? Where are we at in our uh, living it out? And kind of, uh, if you wanted to say measuring it, so is it something I acknowledge, I've heard about, I believe that it could be possible? Is it something I believe I have some experience of this in my life, but not consistently? Is it an area where I am learning and growing and beginning to desire more in this area, whether it's area of relationship or formation, transformation, or living it out? Or is it something I'm experiencing a noticeable increase in this area and I'm hungry for more? Right, that that's my testimony. I'm hungry for him. I'm experiencing more of this relationship with Holy Spirit, and I want more of it. Or is this my daily experience? I wake up knowing I'm a forgiven, free child of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm off and running. Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of just being aware of where we are, because sometimes we're not even aware that you know this is possible, and I'm settling for less. So, just briefly, I would just say, like, pray, listen, Holy Spirit, show us. You know, where are you in your experience with the love of the Heavenly Father? Where are you at in your experience with Jesus Christ as Master, Lord, and Friend? Where are you at in your experience with Holy Spirit as Helper, Counselor, Guide, Teacher? Right? And then where are you at in your transformation? Um, You know, are you being transformed from a place of doubt and fear to a place of faith? and courage, right? Are you being transformed from a place of bondage to a place of freedom? Are you being transformed from a place of uh, despair and, and worry and concern to a place of joy and peace? So kind of where, what, where are you at there? <laughs> are you experiencing the peace of God? And then in the living it out, am I loving? Am I caring? Am I serving others? Am I sharing the good news? Am I doing the good deeds? Am I obeying Jesus? Am I walking in a manner worthy of my calling? And so it's just being aware of where you are. One of the things we say is it's not a matter of where you are, but it's a matter of being aware of where you are. Because then you can see that next thing God's inviting you into. So we kind of do that personal awareness. And then from there, you can begin to say, yes, I want that. God, what do you want for me? And so the prayer is to say, God, what do you want for me in my relationship with you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? What is your desire for me? God, what do you want from me in the way of my own transformation? What do you want from me in the way of me living out this life you've called me to? And I think if we pray that, God will show us. It's like, oh, the Heavenly Father wants me to trust Him more, right? He wants me to have freedom. 
He wants me to love my family, right? It's, I don't think it's that hard to hear God if we put ourselves in that posture of saying, God, show me what you desire. Mm-hmm. The question then becomes, and this is where uh, you know, we have to respond to God's initiative in our life. He says, I want you to trust me as a loving Heavenly Father. And then we have to answer the question, do I want what God wants? And I think that's something we need to do a lot more often. <laughs> Say, God, what do you want for me? Not God, what do you want from me? I think we've grown up under some of that and that we have an aversion to some of that. It's not what God is requiring of you. It's what God desires for you. God doesn't require you to trust him, although maybe he does. <laughs> but mm-hmm. he certainly desires for me to trust him. Do I want to trust him? Right? I so, think that was one of the big questions that, that uh, was difficult for me was to actually accept the fact that, do you want what God wants? Mm-hmm. And my initial reaction was, well, of course, of course I do. But then actually living it, uh, that was the difficult question. Right, that right. was the difficult problem. Right. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's, yes, I want what you want, but then the next, in the next breath I realized, I can't do that. <laughs> or don't want to do right, that. Right, right. Which is, which is great because we need his help to do it. Right? Yes. It's, mm-hmm. saying, it's saying, God, I believe, help my unbelief. I want that. Mm-hmm. Help me to. And quite frankly, for some of us, we may be at a place where we have to say, God, I want to want what you want. Yes. <laughs> we're, just, we're just starting that process. Right. We're maybe not quite capable of believing what God has for us. So anyway, uh, you know, I think that's where we start. We start with an awareness of this amazing life that God has invited us into, this amazing relationship, transformation, lifestyle that Jesus paid the price for and God has provided, as it says in Second Peter, everything we need for life and godliness through his great and precious promises. And I think a lot of the work is to believe and receive those promises and trust God and then to obey him. That's where I think we will wrap up for today is just, uh, again, to just encourage you to, to think about those areas, pray about those areas, and say, God, what do you want for me? And then say, by your spirit, God, I want what you want. Help me to desire that. Help me to lean into that. Help me to believe for transformation. And again, as in Second Peter, that I can participate in this divine nature, the new nature. Next time we come together, we'll spend some time just talking about this area of this intimate, dependent relationship with Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit. You've been listening to Living in the Fullness of Christ with Bill Bowers.